You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to Psyched by MG. This is Mary Grace Randazzo Ratliff, or MG for short. I've been a psychotherapist in private practice for 32 years now. Guess what, everyone? We all have issues. So it's time to lighten up and move forward. Let's stop letting our crap control us and take control of our crap. Good evening, everyone. Hi, Matthew. Hello. Hello, everyone. Oh, my goodness. Well, um, you know, I want to give a shout out to everyone who's listening. And I'm going to say... um, what we say at the beginning of every podcast, you need to stop what you're doing right now. Listen yeah. to MJ. Stop. Stop and click um, like, subscribe. Uh, if you're viewing us on Facebook, um, please, please, please write us a message. Give us your thoughts. Um, but you can find us uh, not only on Facebook, um, on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast. Um, Detroit podcast, uh, YouTube, uh, where else? I mean, you know, we psyched by MG is everywhere. Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, so wherever you listen to us, uh, please, we, we really do need your support. So, uh, just give us a like, uh, and subscribe, uh, leave a comment, um, rate us. We appreciate it. Um, and we care about your thoughts too. So a lot of shows come from um, people writing in. Anyway, uh, that's always so long. <laughs> we need that pre-recorded or something. I don't. Know. But um, how are you doing, Matthew? I'm doing good. It's you know it's the end of the week, as we were saying, and um, you oh. know it's we're coming up on holidays and. These are anniversary dates, you know, for everyone oh. outside of other anniversary dates. And so that's yeah. something we're going to talk about tonight and just, you know, making sure that we're taking care of ourselves. And yes. that's something that I'm very, I'm being conscientious of, you know, kind of like part of, you know, some, some, some sins that we, you know, some vices that we engage in sometimes leads to some instability. So I'm thinking about ways to just how I can be more stable, how I can improve my, you know, emotion, kind of emotional attunement. And so I know it sounds a little heady, but, you know, I I usually take this time, not so much think about resolutions as, you know, what, what have I already like actually improved on? And then what else can I, you know, do to maybe choose some healthier alternatives? I think just the language is important. And so yes. that's kind of what's been on my mind and where, where I'm at, but I'm doing good. You know, we're, we're, okay. we're coming up on some time off and some, you know, some R and R rest and relaxation. So oh my God, I know. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, the show tonight is about um, stop having expectations mm-hmm. and focus on your self value, uh, especially if you struggle with any kind of addiction issues, like people, uh, get into this, especially if it's the end of the year and, and the new year's resolution stop. My expectation is I want to lose 30 pounds. My expectation is I'm going to work out six times a week. Um, and it, it does, the expectations don't work. Mm-hmm. It, it really is about how can I value myself? 
how can I take care of myself where I respect myself mm-hmm. enough to care for me? And that, that's not narcissism. That's not arrogance. It's just good mental health, good mm-hmm. physical health. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you and I have both shared on here the freaking, you know, COVID-19-19, the weight gain struggle, the struggle is real. Um, I'm right here with everybody. Nothing fits. Um, and you know, or, or if you're drinking too, you know, with drinking and addiction, you know, Matthew and I, you and we have talked about this so many times that at the core, you know, the alcohol or the drug is one, it's the symptom, it's the identifying problem, but the core of the addiction is about self-care and how to value yourself, how to respect yourself, how to love yourself and take care of yourself so that you don't need to be so detached from the physical body that you have to medicate it. So you don't feel anything. Mm-hmm. So you're not too stressed. So you're not, you know, anxious. And so, so that we're not going into denial. Right. Well, it's yes. like, and, and like you've said before, it's like, you know, defense mechanisms. And for, you know, we've talked about before in previous uh, episodes where, you know, there it's our mind's amazing and beautiful way of actually helping us through some traumatic or, you know, some tremendously stressful um, times. But then what happens is, is that it ends up taking up more space and it ends up, you know, prolonged, um, you know, kind of versions of those defenses. And so that's kind of also what we'll talk about too, is that, you know, so that we can live in the more present and the here and now. And that's something that I'm talking about and processing with my clients too, is that, you know, how do we live in here and now? How do we, you know, what is going on in your life right now? And, and so that they can really center themselves so that, and it also helps to separate, like you said, the, what they were maybe doing is detaching and kind of following along with that cycle and that kind of pattern and it really is about practicing a different pattern. When and like you said, right. when we're talking, when we're going to talk about you know addiction, dependency, codependent, we're talking about patterns. Yep, yep. And I want people to to just stop for a moment as they hear the words "value yourself," mm. because it's an, it's easy terms. They're thrown around um, all the time, but I don't think people pause long enough to understand what that all means. We push ourselves. We run on adrenaline. Mm. We numb ourselves out, medicate, overeat, sugar highs, then crashes. The caffeine, you know, pushes you because you're exhausted and fatigued. You're, You're doing a lot of battle with that physical body and not, and for a lot of you, not even thinking about it uh, until you get, you know, severe acid reflux, until you get a panic attack, until you get a DUI, um, until something in your world knocks you one and says, pay attention, pay attention. There is something wrong. You cannot keep going like this. You're getting hurt. And if you're someone that ignores all that, ignores the red flags, rationalizes the red flags, um, like getting a DUI and then going to the bar shortly after and getting plowed again and saying, oh, it's just that I can't drive. 
disease of rationalizations is what addiction really is as far as how the mind functions. You rationalize bad behavior to the point where you think it makes sense, but it doesn't. You're having these red flags and these warnings go off saying, you have to take better care of yourself. You do not know how to take care of yourself, to have value in you, especially the physical body. We like to wear it out and push it to the point where it gets sick and then we get frustrated that we're sick. And then then you keep getting sick. You know, I have clients that are so wore down at this point and they're so scared to get a cold and they get a cold and and then they're scared again because they think it's COVID right now. Um, But I'm seeing your body, your body's talking to you right now. Like you have to do a better job at taking care of it. And you and I, Matthew, we've talked about, you know, we've talked about the weight thing. And I know for myself, it, you know, I've put on weight and I was getting so burnt out and so tired. And I thought, I am not even listening. I am not practicing what I'm preaching. I have to take time off. I need to fill up my tank. The body is talking to me saying, what the hell are you doing, sister? What the bitch? So it, it, I had to sit down long enough to go, what's going on? What is going on? Because you're packing on the pounds. What the hell's the matter? I was tired. I was fatigued. I got scared as hell with my son getting COVID twice. That you know, our, our profession was wearing me out because you know we got a lot of people who are really struggling right now, mm-hmm. and uh, I got away from what I teach, and so my value had to come back into the picture. And you know what? Everyone around me did a lot better, and I was more available to them when I started to take better care of myself. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, I think when people can can get away from expectations rules i have to lose you know i want to lose 5 pounds you know in a couple of weeks and then i'll feel better no you better feel better now you better love first of all love that body right now whatever size you are at you need to love that body right now mm-hmm. not in 5 pounds not in 10 pounds you need to have the value right in this right today in this moment Mm -hmm. and then think about how how do I take care of myself and then the rest will follow well and I think too with the value you know when you say that it really is something that is a critical component of you know self-worth and connectedness and you know when we're talking about our self-esteem our self-concept our self-identity and i think that you know it's understated and i know a lot of times even you know i even i even just you know kind of i'm transparent with my clients i'll say you know i know i sound like a broken record probably but when you when you get it and when you start that changing that pattern um, specifically with the value and, you know, linguistically, when we're talking about value, just for people to kind of break it down too, is that we're talking about a fair return on something, right? So we expect returns on, you have a bank account, right? We both have bank accounts. Other millions of Americans have bank accounts. You expect something in return. 
you you put money away in 401k. You expect something in return. There's a fair return, a fair value that's coming back to you. Yeah, yeah very well put. But, wait a but our bodies, our minds, our spirits, so that's okay. That's something that it, it's not okay to have, you know, have a value of return. And so that's something that even like you said, I think it, you know, you get to that point where you're like, okay, um, I'm going to chill out and I'm going to sit down because I need to not only talk the talk, but I need to walk the walk. And I'm going to like you, I'm like, no, I need to recuperate. I need to regenerate. I need to listen to my body but we all, and you speak about this a lot too, and it relates to value is that, you know, we all come from histories where we may not have had the best um, parent, the best, you know, uh, caregiver, the best special person or people. And as a result of that, right, years later, and I used to say this to the prisoners all the time, I'm like, they would question, wait, that happened to me. Um, they would be done describing something and talking about their addiction. And they would say, well, that happened to me like 30, 40 years ago. There's no way that could be related. I said, that's exactly mm. the opposite. It said, there's no question that it's related. And that's why you're talking about it right now. And look at where you're talking about it, unfortunately, in the environment that we were talking about it in. And so I think it really is, you know, a play on, not to be a play on words, but there's an undervalue. Mm -hmm. um, with ourselves yeah. and our psyche. And just as you said, loving, loving ourselves where we're at right now yes. and saying to yourself yes. and kind of, you know, saying, wait a minute, no, 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 no. Reject, reject the anxiety, reject the annoyance of the annoying intrusive thoughts that we experience yep. and practice rejecting it so that we can get a fair return on our value. Yes. Yes. You know, you, you hit something that made me think about it. And I said this just in a previous show about, you know, you forget the past, you're bound to repeat it. And when people say, look at the past is in the past. That was 30 years ago. Cause we hear this all the time in therapy. That was 10 years ago. Why is that a big deal now? Well, if you're repeating patterns, you took the past and you put it right in the present. If you are doing destructive behavior patterns, they are in the present. They, they started in the past, but you're bringing them into the present. And you want to get to know the patterns that you are repeating that harm you, that are destructive in your relationships, that don't bring about resolution they are, you know, as therapists, we look for those patterns. We don't care too much about details. We hear the details, but we're looking for those patterns that have gotten you stuck and hung up that you're repeating over and over and over again. And then we want to keep showing them to you so that you have the awareness. You can make the connection and have the awareness of the problem and where it comes from. So that then you have more control over changing it. Because mm -hmm. some of the patterns that you're doing, you're not even aware of anymore. You've been doing it for so long. Mm -hmm. And some of them, I did a show on intergenerational patterns. They started way before you were born. Mm -hmm. And you were born into some of these patterns. Well, and it's also too helping people to understand that. That's a good point. The intergenerational transmission of the symptoms is that 
And I actually like, and you've used visualization and other techniques, but helping, helping individuals understand to not take on the causal relationship for something that happened three generations ago. But like you said, then recognizing the pattern that they are engaging in the present and how that mirrors yep. a generational, tra- an intergenerational transmission. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And, yeah. and you gain more control when you, when you have learned to be detached and when you've learned to not connect to your physical body, your emotional body, your heart, basically, and you've, you've learned to, to be a lone soldier and to, to just function in this, sometimes we call it the dissociative place where you're just functioning with your head. Um, you, you're that disconnect, it, it, you go on an autopilot, a certain adrenaline and you can't feel anything. The longer you're in it, you can't feel anything. And when you are raised to do that, it takes an effort in the beginning to really become aware of it. Number one. And then to learn new skills and tools to get yourself to not do that anymore. You know, I I often use the terms, I'm going to thaw you out. (laughs) (laughs) Really frozen and it's time to defrost and thaw out. And there is a phase in doing that physically where you start reconnecting and feeling this body and you realize you don't feel so good. Your, your, your back hurts. Oh my God. I feel like I've, you know, become, um, you know, so sensitive to every little hurt and pain. And, and I'm like, no, you're thawing out. Mm -hmm. It's been there. You have, you have been so disconnected that you can't feel the physical body and all the cueing and signals that it does. When I see somebody say, Oh, I've had a cold, you know, I have a cold and, and I'm like, how are you taking care of yourself? Oh, I'm going to work. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. It's no big deal. I think, oh, wow. I said, yeah, but didn't you tell me you had a fever? Yep, yep, yep. This is pre-COVID now. Um, and I say, how come you're not in bed? Oh, no, I don't need to do that. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm so tough. I can do anything. I think, yeah, okay. Now become 50. You've done that to your body all these years. You're wearing that physical body out. You're wearing the mm-hmm. heart out. You're wearing the stomach out. You're wearing the intestines out. The physical body is is really taking a beating. Mm-hmm. Same thing when you get a massage. I remember years and years ago, of course, because I was dating at the time, a boyfriend of mine uh, got a massage and called me up. First time he ever had a massage. He said, oh, my God, I have the flu. And I said, oh, you have just been so stressed out and tense, we don't realize when we tighten those muscles, all the, the toxins that are supposed to be released, you know, and filtered through the kidney and the liver, uh, get trapped in those tight muscles. And so he got a massage and everything let go and he was sick. Well, he hadn't been taking care of himself. I kept mm-hmm. saying that. Jesus, you're not taking care of yourself. You're just on autopilot. You've been on autopilot for months. It's not good for you. So going back to 
we're talking about you have value. You need to get that you have value. And if you don't take care of yourself, you're going to get sick. It does all catch up. Well, and two, you know, when we've, and we've talked before just in terms of, you know, whether it's consulting, you know, or talking or just, you know, like about certain, you know, problematic behavior. And it's like, and, and that when we're talking about addiction and we're talking about dependency and, you know, value, it's, part of it is the recognition. And sometimes I even have to like, I'll slow down the process when I'm talking with clients and I'll say, there's there's progress in recognition. So if you're at the point where you're recognizing, then that's part of the process. That is part of this process where you're not going to escalate the problems. And that's something that, you know, when, when you and I have spoken and I learned from you is that, you know, when you're seeing that problem, really, you know, kind of looking at that and understanding that if you can keep it there and then work to de-escalate that, then that's where the person can start to find that value and they're starting to take care of themselves and work from that way, as opposed to sometimes it leads to people, you know, we have the stinking thinking, the awfulizing behavior, catastrophic thinking. And it's like, well, wait a minute, what are some of these, what are some strengths that you have? And these things that you're that you are doing everything isn't isn't bad about your you or your life or you know so what are the goods what are the things that you know you have been doing um, to balance yes I think you know when you I'm gonna I'm gonna just digress a little bit and I'm gonna talk about people people who really struggle with valuing themselves and who struggle with detachment and, you know, over-function, overthink, um, lead with their heads, can dissociate a bit. You know, you these are learned behavior patterns. You learned to do this. And if you're sitting in my office or Matthew's office, we're beginning to go, okay, this is a learned behavior pattern. Where is this coming from? And how bad is this? And we're getting insight into your childhood. We're getting insight into, you know, you learn to do this. You learn that by having a self, by having wants, needs, feelings, limits, no's, Mm. struggles, that it's a problem. You're a burden. Mm -hmm. Your wants, your feelings, your needs, your no's, whatever it is becomes a burden and a problem. Mm. And if that is happening, number one, there's a chance you were raised with narcissism or some form of addiction because parents who do not cope well can be emotionally irresponsible to their children or cause trauma to their children. They don't want to be burdened by the child's needs, wants, feelings, and limits and struggles. Mm. They want the children there to serve them to not inconvenience them. And so you, you develop this belief system that really teaches you not to have a self, let alone any value. Mm-hmm. You learn, I said to this one client, you know, you become wallpaper. Mm-hmm. Whenever something's going on, you, you are not connected to yourself. You're just connected to everyone else. And it's learned. And it's not okay. Mm -hmm. 
that upbringing, whatever it was that taught you how to do this was wrong. Mm. And as a child, you're trapped in that environment. Your body is learning to, to become wallpaper, to, to not connect to itself in order to survive living in that environment. The wonderful thing is when you hit adulthood, you are no longer dependent on that environment. You are no longer forced to live in that environment. You get choices and you're free. And therapy can help, you know, just to give therapy a little plug. You know, I don't do that very often, but, you know, therapy can help you with that transition because you have to learn how to have a self, how to develop your value, how to understand what it even is, because some people don't know. You know, some people you say, what do you need right now? Because you see that they're tired and fatigued and they go, I don't know. And they're, they're not lying. We've talked about this. So that poor body has been trained and has a habit and it's been going on so long that they don't even think about it until there's a medical emergency, until addiction gets so far out of hand. And you have to learn how to slow down long enough, how to become self-aware, how to gain support around you so that you can be self-aware of what your needs, your wants, your limits, your no's, which equals self-care, good self-care, good mental health. So people, you, you, you need to work on it, get help, gain support, whether it's a therapist, it's podcasts, it's self-help books talking to friends that you have to learn how to connect again. And I was talking to someone a few weeks ago and, and just, and I've said this over and over again, especially with my codependent types that you have to understand you're running from yourself and that defense mechanism numbs you out you're hyper-focused on everyone else, but that hyper-focus on everyone else has a function for you. Mm-hmm. Hyper-focusing on everyone else ha- helps you to not feel anything about you. Mm-hmm. And you are important. You have value. Your family situation, whatever it was, it wasn't right. Children should be a focus. Children are children. They're supposed to mess up all over the place. They're supposed to struggle. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to figure the world out in this safe environment that supports them. But not a lot of kids don't get that. Mm. And when you get free and when you become an adult, you can have it, but you have to learn it. Mm. It's important to start now because if you keep avoiding it, your body's going to kick back. physiologically, the body will kick back. Mm -hmm. It'll knock you on your butt. Serious problems happen, whether it's a repeated bad marriage, whether it's abuse, you keep getting into these abusive relationships, whether it's addiction and DUIs, you know, obesity, whatever it is, the body's not trying to hurt you by putting you in your your place and, and, and shutting you down in a way. It's trying to talk to you and say, what the fetch? Seriously, dude, stop. Open up. 
take in new information about you and you'll get better. I always tell clients our work together will prove itself. I don't have to sell crap. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you're going to get better. Your jobs will get better. Your relationships will get better. Your connections, yourself will get better. You're going to feel good. And it's true. It's work because you got to undo some things that you were brought up to believe and, and that you keep recreating over and over and over again. But it can happen. It's possible. What you learned, you can make better choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want, well, for all the listeners too, I want everyone to take a deep breath because everything you just said is part of the, it, it is literally integral it's an integral part to everything that you need to hear. And if you're listening, it's because you need to listen. It's because your body has been telling you to listen. So I want everyone to smile. I want everyone to just breathe. And then kind of in addition to something that you, when, as you were saying that for me, as I'm, as I'm hearing that I'm also, I'm thinking about, and we, we mentioned it boundaries, right? And setting limits. And oftentimes when we're talking about setting, learning, first learning how to set limits. And as you mentioned, if you've come from a history where you've had, you know, kind of poor familial kind of communication, there's been familial discord, um, you know, there's narcissism, um, you know, borderline traits, there's these things that create dissension and dysfunction, then this is something that's important because your body really has to learn that there's, it's okay to have a boundary. And if you're met with any perceived or real slight from the other person, that's a natural outcome for, from somebody else who may not be emotionally sober. And that's something that's a term kind of terminology that I talk about. And it's like emotional sobriety, the ability to differentiate yourself, your sense of self from the, from, from the world, from the attacker, from the abuser, from, from the victim to differentiate yourself and setting your own boundary around yourself and recognizing that it's not a magic fix, like you said, you have to, you know, there's, there's multiple kind of modalities that, you know, a person can, can use and utilize to kind of help them through. But any, and in fact, when you start to set boundaries, like you said, when you're working on yourself, in fact, in the beginning, the initial part might feel worse, because when you start to set those boundaries, just forecasting for people. When you start to set those boundaries, not everyone's going to like it. And so, you know, they don't know how to, because they might think, well, no, see, I've had you pegged. I've had you put in the corner. I've boxed you in and put you in a container. And even speaking, you know, for myself, when it's like, when I have to do those personal inventory and I have to check in for myself, I'm thinking, okay, am I in And I ask myself, am I in a container? Am I putting the top on? Is the top, am I in a container with the top off? I ask myself those questions because I know that that's a trigger for me. And I know that that's a boundary that I've set as well, though. Yeah. Yeah. And when people don't respect that and they don't understand that, I, that I, my goal is to be a creative person, 
Well, you can't be creative with being binded and being in a box. And that's what, you know, a lot of times addiction and dissociation and all that stuff makes us feel. It, we, we feel a loss. We feel a loss of our sense of self sometimes. And so I think that's part of setting those boundaries. It'll help open yourself up to healthy and healthier relationships with yourself and the other people. And you'll start to see that, like you said, the work that you do is going to actually give you your value back. So that's going to be your evidence. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, boundaries, 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 boundaries. (laughs) God, you know, people who are listening, we talk about boundaries. Boundaries are healthy. Mm. Just like you said, Matthew. Boundaries protect you. Mm-hmm. Boundaries make sure your self value is present. Mm-hmm. Boundaries um, stop people from violating you. And they are, I mean, we could do a whole show on boundaries, Matthew. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, we, we often, you know, when we think of people not having boundaries, we will bring up narcissism. We'll bring up the borderline personality disorder. I talk about the book gaslighting. It's the person who has no boundaries and expects you to not have any. Mm-hmm. And they want you taking care of them all the time. They do not value you. They only value themselves. And the best way to deal with a person like that is to have boundaries and set limits. Mm -hmm. Now, a person who doesn't value themselves struggles with limit setting. Because they get into a conflict. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to set limits with somebody... And I don't value myself very good. And I've learned that my value is only based on what I do for others. I'm in a conflict. Because if Mm -hmm. I set limits, if I value myself, I've learned that I'm selfish. Mm -hmm. And don't don't tolerate abusive behavior. Don't. And I think people need permission. You know, we've talked about that intermittently. And I think even just implicitly. But I also think, too, in our field, I think a, a major disservice is that when, you know, somehow that that implies, like, we're making a decision for the client. And it's like, no, newsflash, like, for me, it's like, if somebody is suffering, right, and if we're talking about boundaries, we have to do our, our like, an actual assessment, too, of the actual reality and what's in, you know, what they're confronting. And so for people who are listening, it's like, sometimes it just takes that kind of one person's giving them permission. And it's like, you don't have to suffer abuse. That's right. That's right. You don't have to suffer abuse. You don't have to put up and shut up. Mm -hmm. You don't have to stand still and take it. Mm -hmm. You don't have to sit with people that you don't like or agree with. You Mm -hmm. can leave. Mm Mm-hmm. And some people get so submissive and so paralyzed, they don't know how to protect themselves and have value. And I say, look, any situation you're you're in, if you don't know what to do, go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. Go to the freaking bathroom. Mm -hmm. Take a deep breath. Make a phone call in the bathroom. Say, oh my gosh, my bladder's killing me. It's about to burst. 
And then if you need to have somebody call you when you get back to that table to get you the hell out of there, get out. I always talk about lies. There's certain lies that are okay. If it's a lie that can get you out of a situation that you are not comfortable, that you disagree with, and you are not strong enough to be direct or you are scared, that white lie is important. You are important. And I have some people who are just starting therapy and they don't have the skill set yet. And I said, I don't give a crap what you make up, but get the hell out of there. If you're with your family and and fighting is going on and you start to get scared or that perpetrator that you had in childhood walks in that room, I don't care what you say at that point. Get out of there. We can't give clients and they can't change everything overnight. It's hard work. It takes time. These habits have been there your whole life. Mm-hmm. And so I say, okay, this is what we're going to do right now. Develop your lie list. Make Put that in your awareness. How the hell are you going to get out of certain situations? And ultimately, we're talking about being proactive. Yes. I mean, so just oh, so that yes. people understand too, you know, it's like what we're really talking about, everyone is being proactive and not relenting. Yeah. Because oh. that's, that's, that's what sociopaths, psychopaths, narcissists, they love and feed off of the relenting. So when you relent, they look at your boundary as meaningless. And so our goal is to, and whether, like you said, whether it's podcasts, self-help groups, wherever you're getting your support to recognize when you put your foot down and you're being proactive, sometimes in the immediate initial response, it can get scary. Yeah. And we, and, oh, and teaching people, like you said, thing. the skill set. Yeah. And, and it's okay that you get scared. You, you just keep pushing forward and do it anyway. Because mm-hmm. change is scary. And these habits have been in you for so long. And you're fighting old messages in your head that's saying, you're not loving these people. You're not being sensitive. You're not being kind. Now, what that all equals is you can't have a self. Mm-hmm. You're not to be respected. You're not to be valued. And that's wrong. Mm-hmm. That is wrong. If we have younger people who are listening, the high schooler, mm-hmm. even the middle schooler, the kids in college, it's hard to have those direct conversations with friends, you know, with groups. You know, if there's drinking that's out of control and you don't like it, I tell them to get your lie list, develop your lie list. How are you going to get yourself out of there? And how are you going to get yourself out of there safe? Because I want you safe. I care about you. I don't want anything to happen to you. Well, and two, you know, when you talk, and you know, I talk a lot with metaphors. So it's like <laughs> every, for the kids, K through 12, college, young adults, emerging adults, all of us, if you're, if you're trying to light your candle and you keep on lighting your candle, but someone or people around you are trying to dim that, and put that out as if the stage is theirs and theirs alone, run in the opposite direction. Yes. You because, will find your tribe. You will find exactly. And to, and, and, you know, I, we, we talk about forecasting and I usually throw the word emotional. So emotionally forecasting, you're going to land 
with a tribe as using, as Mary Grace said, you're going to land with a tribe who you belong with and belong to and who understands you and will rep and will understand and reciprocate a boundary and value so that you're not engaging in disastrous, sometimes lethal kind of uh, choices and decisions and, you know, addiction and all these other things, like you said, weight and all, you know, certain things that start off as just a little pixie dust of, you know, maybe a problem that we ignore. And so I think that's part of, you know, at least, you know, talking tonight is, you know, everyone take a moment and think about, you know, what are some of these things that, you know, life has been, it's kind of like a life on life's term. And what has some of the, you know, think about that pixie dust, think about something that has been lightly trying to kind of you know, urge you and kind of nudge you in the direction of being healthier and ask and think about what you need. Think about what you need to establish and set limits and set a boundary so that it's, and it's not just going to be a single event. Mm -hmm. That's another thing. And I tell people, you know, it's like when they're like, I feel so much better. I don't need, I don't need therapy. Right. You know, and I've heard that you've heard that too. (laughs) And, and I say, okay, Um, and, and sometimes, you know, I'm like, okay. And I know they're going to come back and they have, and, Mm -hmm. but I tell them, I'm like, it's a process that, you know, if you, you need to practice this every day so that when you are faced with the much bigger, larger life on life's terms, problems, you, all that practice, you are going to withdraw from your emotional 401k. And so when someone starts to raise their voice, you say, no. Right. And I used to do that when I, <laughs> I used to do that when I worked in the prison, I would have, I would have the, the group of gentlemen, I would have them practice their refusal skills mm-hmm. and they would start laughing because I would have them repeat no and no and nope, not going to happen, not stand back. And I would have them do that. And they would, you know, the beginning part would giggle and laugh. And then I, and then I started and I would have them before that exercise, I would have them write down maybe a disastrous outcome. And so then I would re- I would read it or have some of the peers read it and they would start to make those connections like, oh, someone's yelling at me and then puts their hand around me and grabs me until I have a bruise on my arm. Well, that's a bit different than just laughing and giggling about, you know, a refusal skill and saying, no, that's light. That could be life or death. And yeah. so I think that's part of, you know, and, and there's, there is physiologically that kind of addictive component of sometimes that adrenaline and sometimes we often feed off of that too. Yeah. You know, that, (laughs) that made me think of, I think I've shared this before. I I spent some time working in an alternative school with these poor kids who came from these rough homes, you know, parents who were emotionally neglectful parents who were addicted, um, you know, getting abused, Poor kids, and you know, there was their self esteem and their self value was just so low, broke my heart. And uh, I did an exercise one time where I said to them, I want you to draw a picture of your safe place, show me your safe place. And I was so shaken up by what I saw. One kid drew a bag of pot. And I said, what is, is this marijuana? He said, yeah, that's my safe place. I said, well, what about your room at home? He said, no, my dad beats me there. Mm-hmm. 
I thought, holy shit. Another girl, she showed, she just drew a tree. And I said, what, a, a tree? No covering? She goes, no, that's where I run when my, my mom's coming after me. I go, she doesn't know where that tree is. Yeah. You know, my heart, because my brain was just going a million miles an hour trying to go, oh, my God. Number one, this is worse than I thought. And these kids were at risk of teen pregnancy. Either the boys getting girls pregnant or the girls getting pregnant because they, they had such huge open wounds emotionally inside. They were filling it up with these relationships and having sex. And then regretting it, because I asked each one of the kids, if you could be a virgin again, would you? And all of them said yes. Shocked the hell out of me. And I, I remember driving, I would get done working with the kids, and I would drive in my car thinking, oh, my God. Number one, if I could adopt every one of them, I would have. Number two, my job here is about giving them value. But I have to figure out a way to give these kids value and to help them survive at the same time in the homes that they still had to live in for another five years. And the thing that I came up with, of course, was to stay in the program and to show up every week for them, but also to begin to open their eyes to like, other groups, whether they join theater at school, whether they play sports, um, they get involved in the big brother, big sister program, that there are other groups and communities that kids, if kids are listening, if a parent who's single is listening and goes, oh my God, that's my kid. There's groups that you can get kids involved in that can give them value, that can fill their tanks, that can say, I have a tribe because kids, their identity is based on their group when they hit pubescence, especially at starts and especially in high school. Individuation, becoming an individual and not wanting their identity to be a part of a group doesn't happen until young adulthood. It's gotten a little bit pushed back, but I would say 21, 22, 23, it would begin. So find a tribe for those kids. Find a place outside. And if kids are listening, find an activity or a group. You're going to be nervous. You're going to be scared. Your lack of value will show up. But if you just keep showing up at that group, and, and, and if it's a good group, if, if you don't like it and they're not treating you good, you go find another one. But find your place. And for people who are adults, find your tribe. We talk about the ugly duckling story in here. The beautiful swan that that, hit that egg rolled into a duckling nest. And the, the brothers and the sisters just were relentless on the abuse of this ugly duckling, they called it, that was a swan. And that swan got so abused and so put down and felt so devalued that it wanted to take its own life and was about to. And as it was looking into the water, a bunch of other swans were migrating and came by. They said, come on, you got to come with us. And the swan said, what are you talking about? He said, well, you're a swan. You got to come. 
He said, I'm a duck. They said, you're not a duck. You're a swan. And for the first time, that swan felt value and a part of something. So find your tribe that's going to value you and, and appreciate you without any serious consequences. Your tribe is not going to be, I find my drinking buddies and we get, you know, lit every weekend. And yeah, I got a couple DUIs with this group. No, you got to find a different tribe because you should not have consequences that you have to take care of and deal with by being with a certain tribe. Because that, that's, again, you're repeating old patterns that you're always paying a price for something. There's ways to be respected and cared for and valued where you can stretch and grow and move into your greatness where you don't pay a price. It's real. You just got to get out of the hole. Yeah. Yeah. I think part of it is, you know, when, when you're, as you were telling that story and I've, had similar many similar um and i actually uh in my undergrad i remember i was going to um be a high school teacher and i've told you this before (laughs) um and part of it is and i went through the you know all of my uh student teaching hours and part of the one of the courses we had to go to an alternate all um all boys alternative school and as you're, so I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about that. And part of it is, I think, there and also just even thinking about my what I've done in the kind of incarceral system and working with individuals and wondering what, 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 have I, what have I been doing? What have I? And it's interesting because as I'm sitting here and as I'm talking to you and the listeners, and it's like I realize I've been helping with value. I've been helping. And we and, and, and those special people. So in addition to the therapist, in addition to the peer support specialist, you know, your special person, the friend, what happens is when you find your tribe, as Mary Grace was saying, when you find that tribe, you're the person or that group can actually tolerate the distress, can de- tolerate the distress signal, and can sometimes even pick up on it. And what happens is that love can actually be passed through and it presses pause for a second. The love presses pause and it presses pause on the the urge or urges to act out or behave impulsively or behave destructively. I mean, this is like really making, it's going to make me emotional because when I think about it and the people who are, you know, regardless of which environment you're in um, because people don't have to be officially incarcerated to be incarcerated. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it's unsettling and it's, it's, well, yeah, it's unsettling to me that people can't find that tribe or they're struggling to find that tribe because like I said, you, the pause button will happen. That, the people who have that emotional adeptness, the people who are emotionally sober and can model to you and, and, and the importance of and reflect the role modeling back to you, 
they'll tolerate your pain. They'll be able to tolerate that, that heartache. And you're going to learn, and I had to learn this too, I'm not broken. My heart was broken and my heart has been broken. And it can make you feel like you want to do some stuff and it can make you feel like your life is ending. But you're not broken. And part of how I understood that is, again, not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. Finding, and you use this word too a lot, Mary Grace, is landing. When you can land with that tribe and you can really, you know, we in clinical terms, we, you know, grounding techniques. But like when you are really able to go beyond the visualizing of that, that the safety and the love and really kind of conjure that into your life and cultivate that into your life, that you are in charge of that. Nobody's going to hold that key to that happiness, but you. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. (laughs) As you were talking, uh, I I was thinking, you know, (laughs) I don't know why. I was just thinking about, you know, that that pain when it shows up and you think it's a part of your identity and it's not, you know, when you, when you're in distress or you're just so frustrated or you're fatigued or you're grieving or, or, you know, people who can make you, you know, who can be abusive and put you down and they cause this pain that you got, you know, you got to get it out of you. Like you, you, you can't, keep it in you. If you swallow stress, if you swallow put downs, if you swallow verbal abuse, you are not valuing yourself. You are not taking care of yourself. You are feeding anxiety and that's not good for you. Plain and simple. It's not. Mm -hmm. If you hear in your head Um, oh my God, I look so fat. Oh my God. You know, I, you know, I have no friends. I have no ability to have friends. Oh my God. I'm a terrible parent. Oh my, you know, God, I, you know, I, I, you know, I'm not attractive. I want you to hear Matthew and myself telling you to cut the shit. (laughs) Cut the shit. Stop. Stop it. Enough. You would never treat somebody else this way. Don't do it to yourself. Mm -hmm. You need to stop the horrific cycle of abuse, devaluing yourself, a lack of compassion. It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Or I would say to you, which I used to say before Dr. Phil used to say it is how's it working for you? Mm-hmm. It, is it working? Right. Do you feel good? You feel great. Is it making you progress? Does it get you to resolution? And, and I've said this and, and people have been my clients. If they're listening, they're going to be laughing. You know, I say, oh, I'm about to say it. And they're like, Oh, don't. And I'm like, how's it working for you? You're doing it <laughs> your own way. How's it working for you? If the answer is it's not, you have to help yourself to love yourself and to value yourself. Enough. Enough. Knock it off. 
Knock it off. Envision a two-year-old having a tantrum. You, at one point, you go, you're done. You're done. You need to sit and time out or you bear hug them and say, okay, you're done. You must be tired. I wonder if you're hungry. What do you need? Mm-hmm. Oh, looks like nap time. Mm-hmm. So stop it. <laughs> stop mm-hmm. it. You know, I have these visuals in my head, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I want to shake the shit out of you and say, just knock it off. Stop beating the shit out of yourself. Don't be mm-hmm. mean. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Seriously. You know, I have your closet well, moment. Have your and closet also moment. feel, I think feel comfortable too, to, you know, we've talked about this too. And I, and the language never even came up between us, I think until this year, but I recognize we had a moment where, when we were talking about something and you had said, you know, I, you received my vulnerability. And when, when you were talking to me, I received your vulnerability and then you had thanked me for receiving your vulnerability. And then I said, well, but I thank you for receiving my vulnerability back. And that's something that really, I think resonated. And I think is also, again, an integral beyond crucial component of what we're talking about tonight. People are waiting I want everyone to hear this. There are, There is someone waiting, waiting to take your heart and waiting to heal with you yep. or for you. Yep. There, there is someone and there are people out there who is just waiting to be an ally. Yep. And I often used to say that to clients, especially in the incarceral system when I worked in residential. And I would say, you know, I'm hearing so much hatred or I'm hearing so many statements kind of you know incendiary kind of nasty statements and thoughts and I said how do you know that that person that you just are saying that about how do you know that they're not they wouldn't have been your biggest ally and biggest supporter and so I think that's really important when we're talking about just addiction value dependency it's important to know your worth to know your worth so that you can also recognize when you can recognize other people's worth too, because it does become a reciprocal process. And it's not just about a quid pro quo where, you know, in layman's terms where, you know, you have to give something to get something and vice versa. It's not a tit for tat. Those are more about those authoritarian kind of like, you know, uh, anxious, preoccupied attachment styles. The secure attachment is going to hear what you're saying And even if you've done something to upset or hurt them, they're going to be able to comfort you and also explain to you their feelings too. But in a way that's not going to make you feel like you have to run in your closet or run in your, or run to your place that you never even felt safe, which could have been that, that, that valley of, you know, kind of just running downhill to you know that destructive path that you really just felt lost Mm -hmm. and I think that's part of it is that you know fighting for yourself and I think that's I take people through a series of episodes and and I call them episodes because I you know instead of sessions sometimes I say this is an episode I'm going to teach you an episode I'm going to work with you so that you you're doing it but I'm just going to you know guide you I'm that guiding lantern where you know, helping you to fight for yourself 
and fight fair so that you don't always feel because that's another problem I think that exists too is that when people do fight back some for some listeners they might be saying well I have fought back and it hasn't always ended up in a kind of a a positive outcome because what they were fighting was somebody who is, you know, again, we talk about sociopathy, psychopathy, narcissism, you know, these kind of elements that really are much, they are much stronger than us. And, you know, so I think recognizing that, you know, that self-love and goes along with that self-worth and self-value. Yeah. um, And it's being conscientious. Yes. And so everyone who's listening tonight, I'm going to give you an assignment. I want you to list five affirmations, five compliments of yourself. And don't sit there and go, oh, God, that's so stupid. Do it. Because if you're starting that crap, you have a problem with that. And I want them, I want you to put it on your mirror at home. And I want you to look at it each day. Begin to change the tapes, people. Begin to change the tapes. These exercises may sound stupid or petty, but they work. Mm. So I want you to do that. I want you to think about doing a vision board in which you are envisioning your value and, and your your um uh, self-respect, self-compassion, what would it look like? And cut out images out of magazines, wherever you want, and put it on this board. A couple of exercises. Yeah. Yep. Now, I know we're, we're running out of time now, so I want to say to the listeners, I, I hope you have a wonderful night. I hope you take really, really good care of yourself and value yourself and, and stop with these expectations uh, of numbers of pounds of, you know, working out six times a week, instead invest more in caring for yourself. And Matthew, lovely as always, um, you know, you know, take care of everybody and and definitely hit like and and leave us a message and, Mm. uh, that is, we, we care about your thoughts. So mm-hmm. other than that, take real good care until the next time. Bye, everybody. Uh, bye, everybody.